Thank you, Brother John. And, and uh, of course, I want to welcome the uh, Granite Bay Pastors families and some of our studio people that are here. And I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Um, I think uh, Santiago, who manages our um, internet, is telling us that we've got people from all over the country that are tuning. Well, I should say that differently. Maybe even all over the world. They all step to the side here. They're they're going to take that off so you don't have the uh, the mic stand up in front of me. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, we heard that during our Sabbath school program, uh, names were being read from people all over the world. Is that still true, Santiago? Yeah. yeah. And uh, we want to encourage you to, if, if you've got some friends and they don't know that this service is being provided, I, I've got to share some things I think are very important today. You might ask them right now to go ahead and log on, tune in. They can go to uh, the Amazing Facts Facebook page. They can go to the Doug Batchelor Facebook page, to the, uh, our YouTube, Doug Batchelor YouTube site, as well as the Granite Bay SDA uh, Facebook page. And I think it's even streaming through Vimo on that page as well. And so um, we'd like to encourage God's people to come together. We don't have our regular buildings we can gather in, but I think it's important for us to, to be together to study His Word. Now, as you could probably gather from the um, Scripture reading, uh, the message today is about a high time to wake up. You know, we... Um, we read there in Romans that the, um, now our salvation is nearer than we believe. Now that's good news to know that our salvation is near, but it's troubling that the apostle goes on and he says, so you need to wake up. Now I'm going to talk about the importance of being awake through this lesson, but before I get to that, I want to make sure that everyone understands we're living in a physically sleep-deprived society. So sleep is good. Sleep is part of God's plan. And you can read in Psalm 8, I'm sorry, Psalm 4, verse 8. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. And in Psalm 127, verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow, for he gives his beloved sleep. So sleep is wonderful when you're resting in the Lord. It's a blessing. Don't misunderstand that. Uh, just in the last hundred years or so, People have become more and more sleep-deprived because uh, we got all this artificial light and artificial entertainment, and people are struggling because of that with a lot of health problems. Uh, just like to always start with an amazing fact. After all, we are amazing facts. The longest documented record for a human going without sleep, without using artificial stimulants, is held by Randy Gardner. In 1964, the 17-year-old high school student from San Diego, he stayed awake for 264 hours, that's 11 days, in a self-imposed experiment, but it was monitored. Randy reported hallucinations, nausea, paranoia, blurred vision, slurred speech, with problems in memory and concentration. Uh, no wonder, I, I can have that after about uh, 16 hours <laughs> without any sleep. God made us where we need appropriate rest. But in the Bible, when it says wake up, it's not talking about neglecting your physical rest. It's talking about not sleeping spiritually. And right now, friends, I think that there's a problem in the world is that our salvation is nearer than we believed and the church may be sleeping spiritually. You know, uh, folks are wondering what, what's going on in the world with these challenges and these problems and, and some of the frightening things that are happening. 
Um, there's a quote from the book Prophets and Kings. I'd like to start with page 277. The time is at hand when there will be sorrow in the world that no human balm can heal. The Spirit of God is being withdrawn. Disasters by sea and by land follow one another in quick succession. How frequently we hear of earthquakes. We had one here in Lake Tahoe yesterday. Tornadoes, destruction by fire and flood with great loss of life and property. Apparently, these calamities are capricious outbreaks of disorganized, unregulated forces of nature, wholly beyond the control of man. Notice this. But in them all, God's purpose might be read. They are among the agencies by which he seeks to arouse, that means to awaken, men and women to a sense of their danger. Whatever you think might be going on, I'm quite certain that God would like for these things to be the means of people waking up and realizing uh, the danger that we're in. Now, when we say wake up, there's two different groups that need to wake up. Uh, people need to wake up to their spiritual need, but the church needs to wake up to help lead them to Christ. Now, as my text to use as a springboard for our study today, I'd like you to go to the book of Jonah. And in Jonah chapter 1, verse 5, you know the story. He's running from the word of the Lord. And finally, he gets on a boat and he's heading off to Tarshish to run from the presence of the Lord. Then this tremendous storm breaks out and it threatens to sink the ship. And the sailors are throwing everything overboard. You can read here in Jonah 1, verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Now this to me is really a prophetic picture of what's going on in the world today. There's a storm in the world. The people in the world are afraid. The people in the world are experiencing incredible economic loss. They're throwing everything overboard. That's the purpose why they're making this ship journey. And, uh, but Jonah, the prophet of God, is asleep. So I want you to consider five things about Jonah here. I want you to look at who is sleeping. Look at where he is sleeping. Look at why he is sleeping. Consider when he is sleeping. And then look at how he is sleeping. First of all, look at who is sleeping. In the middle of the storm, the person who's sleeping is the one who has a connection with God. He's the one who knows the way of salvation. He is a prophet of God. The word of God is in his mouth and he's asleep. He's asleep at a time when everybody else is praying and they're, they're looking for salvation and he's sleeping. Friends, I, I really think the church needs to wake up. And while I'm concerned about what's going on in the world today, in some ways, I'm excited because I have been praying that God would do something, whatever it takes, to wake people up. Not just people in America, because you can become so materialistic. We think we're rich and increased with goods, and sometimes God has to wake us up. But the church, to wake up to what our mission is, to return to the faith that was once delivered to the saints, to get that primitive evangelistic zeal, that sacrificial spirit of Christ, so that we'll care about the lost, We've got the truth, but we're sleeping. And it's something like the story of the rich man and Lazarus. We've got these pagan beggars at our gate desiring to eat the crumbs that fall from our table. We as Christians, especially Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we understand the Bible. People are starving for what we're feasting on. They just want the crumbs. 
And uh, they're right there at our gate. You know, this is kind of what happened in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. They said, we're the people of God. We are the frozen chosen. And they didn't care about all the pagans that were lost around them. This is what's happening here in the story of Jonah. He didn't want to go talk to the Ninevites. No, they're pagans. Lord, if I don't go, just destroy them. But uh, they kind of had this exclusive mentality. It was okay for all of them to get together among themselves and to study and argue about the word of God and, and so forth. But uh, that can also happen to churches where we forget about those who are starving around us. There's a storm. The Bible tells us there's a great time of trouble that's coming to the world. The church needs to wake up because people are looking for salvation. Not only was he asleep, he is fast asleep. Now, you know what an oxymoron is. Two words that contradict each other, like military intelligence, or when you say jumbo shrimp, or woman driver. <laughs> I just wanted you to know there was an audience here today. <laughs> fast asleep. Well, the only way you're fast asleep is if you fall asleep driving. And you don't do that for very long. Fast asleep really means deep in a sleep. He was out of it. He was sleeping, so he did not even notice the storm. So not only is the church asleep, they are fast asleep. And now he's gone down to the lowest parts of the ship. Look at where he's sleeping. He's down in the bottom. He's down in the dark. He's down in where the bilge is. Now, I, I've lived on a few boats before. And at one time, I lived on a sailboat that went around the Mediterranean. And part of the job of the crew, they didn't have the modern uh, gauges that they have now at the, in the pilot's house where you can see the engine temperature and the engine pressure and all those things just right there at the steering wheel. So someone had to be assigned to go down to the lowest part of the ship where the engine was, drive shaft coming out of the back to the propeller. And we would sit in a chair... And it was in the dark, and the bilge, all the oil and extra fuel that had been spilt and any other grime that had grown up, it's kind of sloshing around because even the best of ships still somehow water gets in. And the boat is rocking back and forth, and you're in the dark, and it smells bad. And next to the chair where we would watch the temperature gauge and the oil pressure gauge, there was a metal drum because invariably everybody who had that assignment got seasick. And so here Jonah is down in the most undesirable place of the ship. He's in the lowest parts of the ship. And uh, God's people maybe aren't living where they ought to live. They're down where the bilge is right now. They're down in the dark. And they need to wake up and go up. They need to go a little higher so they can let their light shine. God said you don't take a light and put it down in the lowest parts of the ship. You put it up on a hill where everybody could see it. So God needed to wake Jonah up. Well, that tells about where he's sleeping. Why is he sleeping? It says, Jonah arose to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He's running from his duty to witness to the lost. You know, this is the principal reason we exist as a people is we come to Jesus that we might fulfill the Great Commission and then go for Jesus. And Jonah didn't want to go and share the message of salvation with the Ninevites. So, He's running from his duty. You know, the Bible tells us that the Lord had poured upon him a spirit of sleep. You can read in Isaiah 29, verse 10. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep. The Lord has closed your eyes, namely the prophets. He says, even the seers, 
those who know the truth that should be sharing the truth they're not sharing present truth and helping people prepare to meet the bridegroom we need to wake up it is high time that we wake up something else that we can learn about Jonah consider when he is sleeping it says in Jonah 1 verse 4 the Lord sent out a great wind and there's a mighty tempest on the sea and it was about to be broken up he's sleeping at the time where people are actually going to be listening they're, the sailors were afraid. The sailors are now praying the prophet is sleeping. People in the world out there are concerned. Just um, a few days ago, I was meeting with some friends, and before they closed the health club, I play racquetball, Pastor Ross and I sometimes, with a group of guys, nice guys, professionals that work at different jobs, from plumbers to contractors. And, and uh, they, they joke, so sometimes tease us about being pastors one of them calls me rev um, but I'll tell you the whole spirit and atmosphere in the group uh, before they finally closed the clubs had changed and I started talking to them about you guys need to start reading your Bibles and instead of teasing they were listening and people are interested right now if ever you're gonna go to sleep don't go to sleep during the storm when people are praying and when they're searching this is a time for the church to wake up to rise and shine and uh, tell people about the Lord. Amen. Look at how he is sleeping. You can read in Jonah 1.5, it says, When the mariners were afraid, every man cries out to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship and was fast asleep. He is not being very helpful during this time. You know, one of the things about sleep, I know that when you're sleeping, if you're sleeping good REM sleep, that there's restoration happening in your body, that your DNA is repairing, that you're getting regenerated, your computer is rebooting. There's a lot of good things that happen biologically to you when you sleep. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the simple truth that sleeping does not produce much work. People who are sleeping on the job don't get a lot done. Everybody up on top of the deck, they are working like crazy to be saved, and Jonah's doing nothing. You know, I meet people all the time that are talking about, well, I need training. I'm, I'm afraid that, uh, you know, I don't have the right understanding or I, I don't know enough to share my faith and I need more studies. I need another seminar. I need a better, uh, better equipment. And, you know, God is not looking for more money or machines or methods. He's looking for better men and women. If we would live the life, we'd see people would be transformed. And amazing facts, we are trying to do everything we know how to do to get the message out because the way I look at it, people who are saved live forever. People who are not saved face eternal death. It is a life and death issue. Nothing is more important than that. So we're looking at everything we can do. We're using television, we're using radio, we're using internet, we're using publishing, we're using live evangelism, we are training, we're trying to do everything we can do. Get the message out there. This is the most important message in the world. And you know what? Sometimes we get a little criticism. And people say, you know, you're not doing this right, or you're not doing that right, or you should do this differently. And I will agree. There's a lot of things we do. I wish we could do better. I wish we could do differently. But we're doing something. And I'd rather do something a little bit wrong than do nothing very well. And there's a lot of people in the church that are sleeping, waiting for the perfect opportunity, and they're sleeping through the best opportunities. Why they wait? Do what lies nearest you. Do something. But wake up and start sharing. Make yourself available. Get up on deck and start working. Sleepers are inactive. Proverbs 6, verse 9 and 10. 
How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come upon you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Now, people who are sleeping are usually not rich. They're not very active. They're not very productive. And if we want to be rich in the things of God, if, you know what? If we would make an effort, so often I'm not sure what to say and I try and say something. But God then uses the Holy Spirit to do something with it. And, you know, God can speak through a donkey, which is why I'm not giving up. I figure he can use me. God can speak through a donkey. Uh, and you might say, well, how can the Lord use me? He can use everybody. But if God's church, if every member would start getting out there, living the life, and sharing the good news, I think you'd see an incredible revival. Sleep makes us vulnerable. It's easy to overcome those that are asleep. One reason that people in the church are so easily being overcome is because they're sleeping. Jesus said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Temptation overtakes us easily when we are sleeping spiritually. I remember reading the book of Judges, the story of Barak and Deborah. They had a tremendous battle with a king named Jabin. He's the king of Canaan at 900 iron chariots under his commander, a man named Sisera. God sent Barak out in battle. He said, I'll be with you. And they were victorious. Well, in the midst of the battle, that mighty general Sisera, he rose up, and this is Judges 4.17. He rose and he fled on foot. His chariot was stuck in the mud. And he came by the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenanite. The Kenanites were at peace with, they were the descendants of the Midianites who had married uh, with Moses' uh, family. That's where Zephora was from. And so the Canaanites and the Kenanites, they were friends. But Jael, kind of like Rahab, she knew that Jehovah was the real God. And when the Sisera, when the general of the Canaanites came to her tent, she went out to meet him. She said, turn aside, my Lord, turn aside, don't fear. And he turned aside, he went into the tent. She covered him with a rug. He said to her, can you give me a little water to drink? He's running from the battle, he's thirsty. So she opens a jug of milk. She gives him a drink and she covered him. Then he said to her, if anyone comes to the door of the tent and they ask about me, just send them down the road. She said, sure, no problem. But then Jael, Heber's wife, she took a tent stake and she took a mallet in her hand and she went softly to him. And I know this is a little rough, but she drove the peg into his skull, into his temple, right into the ground. For he was fast asleep. There you have it again, like Jonah, fast asleep. Think about this. This is a mighty general. He made nations tremble. He would spread out his banner and, and direct armies. He could have easily tossed that woman 50 yards. But that mighty general was completely vulnerable because he was asleep. God's people need to wake up. The devil is going around as a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. We all know the story of Samson, strongest man who's ever lived. How was he overcome? By sleep. Judges 16, verse 19. Then she, Delilah, lulled him to sleep on her knees. She called, and this is after he divulged his secret. And she had a man shave off the seven locks of his hair, and she began to torment him, and his strength left him. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep. And he said, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. When did the Lord depart from him? While he was sleeping. 
His hair was shorn while he was sleeping. Yeah, I tell you, this, these are tough days that we're in now. You know, I know some services are open, but the barber shops are closed, and I had to cut my own hair yesterday. Karen said, don't do that again. <laughs> then then she, she said, I'll help fix you. It went from bad to worse. <laughs> I, I almost stood before you today with no hair. <laughs> but uh, the devil is going to try to take advantage of people because they're asleep so that they lose their strength. They go out to shake themselves, and they don't realize the Holy Spirit has left them and it happened, not at some moment while they were awake, but while they were sleeping, little by little. I think that some people are grieving away the Holy Spirit through constant sleep. Ephesians 5, verse 11. I'll read through verse 16. Having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful to even speak of those things that are done by them in secret. For all that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, and not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. You know one reason that Samson got into so much trouble is he spent more time learning the ways of the Philistines and sleeping with the enemy, you might say, and pretty soon he was overcome by the enemy. The Bible says we are not to love the world or the things of the world. If any man says he loves the, the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of Christ at the same time. And when I say the church needs to wake up, again, you need your physical sleep. We're Sabbath keepers. We believe in rest. But we can't be resting spiritually. We need to be rest. Well, no, I take that back. Yeah, you can rest spiritually. But I mean, you can't be sleeping spiritually when the devil's out. We need to be watching. We need to be alert. People sleep better in the dark. 1 Samuel 26, verse 7. You remember King Saul is trying to conquer David. He's hunting him in the mountains of Judea. And uh, he went and surrounded the mountain where they were, but the army of Saul went to sleep. So David takes his nephew Abishai, and they come to the people by night. And there Saul lay sleeping within the camp. His spear stuck in the ground in, by his head. And Abner and the people, his bodyguard, is all around him. And David is able to go up to the king, and he's able to take his water, he's able to take his spear, he basically ridicules his bodyguard because it was in the dark and they were asleep. He was vulnerable. Look at all the times in the Bible God's people are overcome or humiliated because they're sleeping when they should be watching. Isaiah 60, verse 2, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. When is the world the darkest? At midnight. When does it say the bridegroom comes? At midnight. Now, that doesn't mean it's 12 o'clock all over the world at the same time. It means it's one of the darkest times in the world's history. It's going to be a time of great trouble. And when do you notice the stars? You know, there's stars up there shining right now. It's daytime here. We don't see them because it's daytime. But you get up on a hill... And in the dark, you're going to know that the stars are there. Now, in the time of the world where there's great darkness, spiritual darkness, uh, you look at how people are being entertained in the world today with just, it's violence, it's sex, it's lying is as common as speaking. And um, there, there's so much immorality in the world that, and the church is being entertained with the thing, same things that entertain the world. How can we think that's not going to affect us spiritually? It's going to put us to sleep. The church needs to repent of their sins. They need to 
Strive after holiness without which no man will see God. Wake up is what that's talking about. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 4 through 8. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. We shouldn't be living with the dark side. You are sons of the light, sons of the day. We are not of the night or the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. And that word others there, it's, it's talking about people who, um, uh, the word other means the refuse of society, the lost. It can be translated that way. Don't be sleeping like the worldlings. Don't be sleeping like the lost. We are children of the night, of the day rather. We should be awake. Let us watch and be sober. We need to be clear-headed. Uh, shouldn't be living in, in drunkenness. For those who sleep, sleep in the night, and those who get drunk, get drunk in the night. But let those of us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of salvation. You know, we've been commanded by the Lord to watch and what it means to watch. I was once a security guard. And I remember my first day on the job as a security guard. I'll tell you how it happened real quick. I had two jobs. I had a job I got through an employment agency in Boston in a rust-proofing factory. And there is a person out there, in case you didn't know it, their job is to rust-proof the steel toes that go in steel-toed boots. That was my job. We would lift these steel toes that came from the factory all formed and we put them in these different chemicals for different periods of time and we'd tumble them in these drums and, and then they'd dry out and they'd get you know, prepared so they would never rust. I worked all day at that job. Then at night I went to the apartment where I lived in Boston. A lot of students shared apartments and we had, like, had one bathroom on the floor everybody would share. It was pretty rough. They had a security guard downstairs. And we all knew him. And I came in one day and I said hi to the security guard and he looked kind of bummed. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, I got this other location where my guard didn't show up. He says, I'm guarding this one because somebody didn't show up. And I'm, look, I've got to find somebody. I felt pretty good at the moment. I said, I'll, I'll be a guard. He said, you mean it? I said, sure. He didn't know I was 16 years old at the time. He thought I was like at least 18. I said, sure. So uh, they gave me a location, a construction site, and he told me what to do. And he said, you walk, you take this big clock, you walk these destinations, you put the keys in that shows that you were at these locations at this specific time. It would punch it on a tape. And that was kind of fun. I felt, man, I got two jobs. I'm a guard. If these guys only knew I was a thief during the day, I'm a guard. I, thought, I felt really important about that. But then it got to be about two in the morning, and that construction site got really boring. And I was just sitting waiting for the next hour to go by so I could walk my rounds and punch the clock. And I'm, I need to stay up. And I thought, man, I can't go to sleep. They're paying me. They're trusting me to guard this place. What if it gets stolen while I'm sleeping? I did make it through the night. But I'll tell you what, there's a few times my head dropped down. It's hard to stay up and watch. I made it to morning. God tells us to watch. And yeah, watching takes effort. You know that uh, the 1989 Exxon Valdez oil spill in Alaska, the Challenger space shuttle disaster, the Chernobyl nuclear accident have all been connected with people sleeping when they shouldn't have been sleeping. A lot of loss of life. Mark 13, Jesus speaking of his second coming. He said, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you sleeping. 
And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Over and over, the Lord says, watch, watch, watch. Friends, I, I hope those of you who are watching right now online, it's not too late. Text your friends. Tell them, be tuning in. This is a really important message. Church needs to wake up. I think we're living in the last days. I really do. I don't know, you know how everything happening fits perfectly in with the prophetic scheme of things, but I know that the whole world is involved right now in fear, and I think God wants this opportunity to be used to wake people up to eternal realities. And he wants the church to wake up. You know, before Christ comes back, he's going to have a people that will reflect his image. He's going to have a church that is finally going to fulfill what his calling, his high design was for his bride. And this is the generation that can do that. And this is an opportunity for us to wake up. Yep, we're supposed to be watching right now. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Let us not sleep at others as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant. A vigil means you're looking to the right, you're looking to the left. You know, when I learned to fly, um, I always remembered something my father taught me because I flew with my dad before I got my license. And my father, you know, he flew during World War II. He was a captain in the Air Force and he said, always be scanning the horizon. This is that back before the days where they had radar always telling you where everybody was. He said, always be in the habit of scanning the horizon. That's actually helped me with preaching because it's taught me not to look at one part of the audience but to try to look at everybody when you're preaching. And uh, it can save your life because sometimes I've turned and I've seen a plane that was not on radar. They didn't know about. They weren't registered and they're flying right towards me. And if you, I had not been scanning the horizon and this is what we're called to do. This is what it means to be vigilant. It means to be watching, to be looking around. See what's happening in the world spiritually. Something else we learn from sleep wolves tend to come in when the shepherds are sleeping Matthew chapter 13 verse 24 another parable he put forth to them saying the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field but while men slept an enemy comes and sows tares among the wheat yeah we have tares in the church among the wheat you know how that happened because we were sleeping uh, when people are sleeping, uh, people can sneak in and they can corrupt the crop, so to speak. How is it that we have people that say that they're Bible Christians that believe that the, we came through evolution while men slept? How is it we can have people in the church that are members that don't believe marriage is between one man and one woman? While we slept, people came in. Are people who don't believe in the inspiration of the Bible and the spirit of prophecy when did that happen? While we slept, people came. We lowered the standard. We weren't so careful as we should be with people who are coming in, becoming part of the church, ending up with voting authority. We weren't so careful as we should have been with people that needed to be tossed overboard, like Jonah. You notice when they dealt with Jonah, the ship had peace. And one reason that the churches are not getting very far is because there's a lot of Achans in the camp. While men slept, the tares were sown among the wheat. You know, horses, I understand, can, uh, they can sleep standing up. They do lay down and sleep. That's when they get their REM sleep. But uh, God designed them where they can sleep standing up because you probably watched a horse get up. It's a little laborious for them to get up. It takes a moment. They're vulnerable. And so God designed them where they can actually lock their ligaments. It's called the stay position. 
and they can sleep by their standing up so they can be alert in case a predator comes by. Something else is horses, when they sleep, if you notice, one of them will be standing while the others are lying down. And then when the other one gets up, another one might lie down. They like to have somebody on watch. You know, we need to be watching. Some of our folks are sleeping, but uh, God wants us to be awake. You know, there was a plague that went through North America between 1915 and 1926, and I bet most people haven't heard of it, encephalitis lethargica. Encephalitis lethargica. It was an atypical form of encephalitis that's known as sleepy sickness. The disease attacks the brain, leaving some of its victims in a statue-like condition. They're standing up speechless and motionless. And I just wonder if maybe some in the church have spiritual encephalitis lethargica where we're going through all the outward motions of church but spiritually we're not in communion with God. We're not walking with God. We're not living where we're convicted of our sins. We sleep when we should be praying. The captain came down. He's looking for something else to throw overboard and he found a runaway prophet snoring I wonder how Jonah would have slept if he knew he was about to get a ride on a blubber mattress. <laughs> so the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, what do you mean, sleeper? Our captain is saying to us, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, how can you, the indignation of the captain, how can you sleep at a time like this? The world is ending. All the sailors are about to perish. He says, Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. We need our captain to wake us up right now. I'd like to read something to you from 2 Testimonies 3.37. A listless, unfeeling manner of presenting the truth will never arouse men and women from their death-like slumber. They must show by their manners, by their acts, by their words, by their preaching and praying that they believe that Christ is at the door. You know, I've been hearing a lot of pastors tell their congregations and peace, peace, everything's going to be all right. They said, people are afraid. We need to calm them down. Well, if they're saved, I think you can offer them peace. If they're not saved, don't calm them down. Uh, people need to be awakened to the danger that they're in. Men and women are in the last hours of probation and yet they are careless and stupid. Don't get after me. I didn't write this. Ministers have no power to arouse them. They themselves are asleep. Sleeping preachers preaching to sleeping people. While the sailors are praying, Jonah the prophet is sleeping. God has given the Seventh-day Adventist church the message for this time. He wants to go to the world. It's the most important message in the world. I just, I need to share with you friends, when I first learned these things, I was raised, you know, an atheist, pretty much or agnostic, no religion. Accepted the Lord through reading the Bible, accepted Jesus, began to visit Christian churches, and, you know, I met a lot of lovely, spirit-filled people in these churches. But the doctrines didn't make sense. They didn't seem to mesh with the Bible. And they all disagreed with each other. So I got on my knees and said, Lord, show me the truth. I just want the truth. Somebody came by my cave up in the mountains. They gave me the book, The Great Controversy. I read that book. I asked for another. I read Patriarchs and Prophets and then I read Steps to Christ and I read Desire of Ages and I was just reading the Bible along with this, these inspired writings and I said, this is the truth. I asked my friend, are there people somewhere that believe these things? Is there like a church? He said, oh yeah, they're all over the place. I'd never heard of Seventh-day Adventists before. I said, well, I'd, I'd like to go. And you know, my first 
few visits to a Seventh-day Adventist church, I'll just let you know, friends, it was a little underwhelming. I was so excited about the message. I just finished reading Daniel and the Revelation. I knew Jesus was coming again. The Bible was true. That the purpose of life was to know God, to share God. And I went to the churches. It just seemed like, seemed like a social gathering. I mean, you know, they read a little bit of scripture, but they just didn't feel the sense of any urgency. There wasn't the attitude, wake up, do you not care that we are perishing? You know, you can read in the Bible, there was another storm at sea. The disciples were in a boat crossing the Sea of Galilee at Jesus' command. And uh, the storm began to mount and the wind began to blow and the waves began to pour into the boat. And uh, finally, they realized their danger. The lightning flashed. They saw that Jesus was there in the boat with them. And they woke him up and they said, Master, do you not care that we're perishing? I mean, it's, it's amazing that Jonah was about to perish. He's about to go down and he's sleeping. It's amazing that you can read in Acts chapter 12, Peter was in prison, chained between two soldiers. He's on death row and he's sleeping. God had to send an angel to strike him and wake him up. God had to send the storm and the captain to wake up Jonah. You read about the Philippian jailer. An earthquake had to wake him up. And then he says, what must I do to be saved? He had to be woke up before he would say, what must I do to be saved? If people only knew the hour in which we're living, if we only knew how wonderful heaven is, how terrifying it will be for the lost, uh, the church would not be so happy-go-lucky about the time we're in. We'd feel more urgency to live the life and to share the message with those who are around us. What we need is we need a revival. We need the church to wake up. You know, I'm, uh, I'm praying I'm excited. I'm praying that what is happening in the world today can be the catalyst that will revive God's people to what our purpose is, that will help us open up our Bibles, open up the inspired counsel we have, start studying to find out the time in which we're living now. And I think it, it, it's so exciting when you think about it. And Lord, have mercy on us if we don't care, if we don't care about our own souls. Don't we care about the others? You know, I heard a story one time about a soldier was caught sleeping at his post. Now back in those days, if a soldier was caught sleeping on watch, it was the death penalty. So he was put in the, uh, the brig and uh, he was going to be brought out in a week and he was going to be hung by the neck until dead. Young man, got tired, fell asleep. But it was pretty severe to fall asleep on watch because if a, people on watch fall asleep, then all the other soldiers die that they're trusting the watchman is going to warn them if there's danger. But if he falls asleep, what are you going to do? And as God's people, the Seventh-day Adventists, we've fallen asleep. But there's more to the story. The mother found out. She went and appealed to the general. She said, please, he's my only son. I have no husband. He's my only support. Don't dis extinguish the light of my life. Well, the general's heart was touched. He wrote a pardon. He gave it to the corporal. He said, Take this, give it to the jailer, tell the young man he's forgiven. The corporal thought, well, that's a long way to the brig. I'll do it in the morning. And he went to sleep. Now just think about that. Think about that young man who's about to perish and what that must have felt like for him. To get that message late. Uh, if he didn't bring it in time, he's lost. There's people out there, they're under a death decree. You and I are to bring them the pardon from Jesus. We've got that message of salvation. 
It's good news, friends. We're living in the last days. We need to let people know to prepare for Christ is coming. You know, I, I think we're going to close here, and we may go off the air while we're singing, but we're going to be singing that song, Watch Ye Saints. And uh, those who are in our little family congregation here, you can stand. We're going to sing 598. I want to thank Michelle and Brad for leading our music. God bless you, and stay tuned online. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.